This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall on the road to the Baltimore Ravens, 20-12. They move their record to 5-9 on the year. And, I mean, at this point, are we even surprised? The Bucs go into a tough game on the road. It's cold outside. It's rainy. It's wet. It was a nasty, sloppy game. And we couldn't come away with it. Something I'm used to saying here on the show. Something I'm sure you guys are used to hearing here on the show, but today we're going to talk about it one more time as we approach the final two-game stretch of the 2018 Buccaneer season. But welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are here today for episode 45. I am your host of the show, Rhett, the Bias Buck fan. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. Now, Evan, you know, between you and me, if I got to be frank, I'm just, I'm glad that game was over. I'm not pissed that we lost. I mean, of course you can be upset, but I feel like I'm a little bit more at peace with losing, especially in the fashion that we did. But good God, dude, what a boring game. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the the conditions weren't great, which never makes for a fun football game, uh, especially and with the ra- way the Ravens play, eighty degrees and sunny. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just their game, and it's it's not really the most exciting to watch, but hey, it, it works, and it it was enough to beat this Buccaneers team on Sunday. Yeah, and and you know, something I wanted to comment on really quickly was the Ravens team. We knew they were going to go out there play the way that they have these past few weeks. They were playing at home. But I'll admit that first half of football, I, I think even the announcers were were confused. I mean, everybody was out of whack because this Bucks team was just as much in the football game as the Ravens by the time halftime rolled around. It wasn't the Ravens team that's used to just steamrolling people offensively. Now obviously that can be related back to the cold, wet, nasty weather. But this was a Bucks team who did have a fighting chance. And, I mean, you know, this was a game you and I both didn't feel like the Bucks would win. But for me, it almost felt like a carbon copy of last week's losing formula. I mean, the Buccaneers held an interesting game in the first half. It wasn't an offensive shootout, neither was last week. Second half, the defense is left on the field for way too long, and they get winded trying to stop Lamar Jackson. And, I mean, on top of all that, it was pretty clear that these guys were fighting the rain all day long. Footing wasn't too bad, but from the Brian Anger botch place kick to the multiple wide receiver drops, I mean, it was it was a pretty tough game, slow, dirty game to trudge through, but it felt a lot like last week when it came to the second half. Felt sloppy. 
Yeah, and you know, the weird thing about that was a lot of people were asking me, well, why aren't they wearing gloves? Because you saw Mike Evans, Adam Humphrey, Chris Godwin, none of those guys are wearing gloves. And actually, wearing gloves can sometimes be counterproductive uh, because those gloves, while they are sticky, in the rain, they don't work as well. So even in in the snow, they don't work as well. you know, I own a couple pairs of receiving gloves, and I've tried to go out in the snow and, and play football, and they just don't work. Um, not not as well as as they normally would. So, is when it's slick when it's slick outside, it's it defeats the purpose. Um, so that's why the only confusing thing was though that not all the Ravens receivers, but some of them were wearing gloves, and they didn't seem to have a problem with it. I think there was one drop pass all day for the Ravens and a muff punt, but. Um, yeah, the Buccaneers, I mean, Chris Goblin on that first drive, Jameis puts the ball around the money, and apparently had Chris Godwin caught the football, um, a lot of people say he might have been in for a touchdown. Uh, would have been like a 50-yard touchdown or whatever because um, he would have maybe only had a safety to beat, and the safety was like at a bad angle, so he might have been able to beat him, and he was off. But Yeah, and, yeah. And it was – no catches. That's, yeah. you know, last week, 10 targets, one catch. I mean, what is going on? It, it almost seems like someone had brought this up in the group chat, <clears throat> but, you know, it has almost seemed like since we have seen less and less of Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin has kind of had to step up in that number two wide receiver role, I feel like we haven't seen him in the capacity that we had before. And, I mean, maybe it's just a rough, sc- uh, a rough stretch of games. I'm not saying he's bad. He's going to bounce back. He is a very, very good player. But something's been going on these last couple of weeks, and and I I don't know what it is with number 12, but what it's translating to is exactly what you said, just a lot of drop balls, and he looks lost sometimes. He doesn't look like the Chris Godwin that I knew. I mean, that, um, that drop we had just mentioned, you know, I texted you as soon as that happened. I'm like, Chris Godwin catches that. Because when I watched that, that had to be probably the worst drop of his career that I have paid attention to. I mean, it was bad. And I get that it's rainy. I get that it's wet. And I'll be 100% honest with He's you. He's a professional, I, though. I probably wouldn't have caught that football. Yeah, but you're not a professional. That's true. That's true. And when you're Chris Godwin, when you're a professional, and you have showed the caliber of talent you know, to us before, he's got to make those catches. And third round pick you know how hard it is to get in the nfl let alone be a a third round pick like you know i i understand but you (laughs) nobody's around you you gotta catch that i i I understand it's difficult but got got it gloves or no gloves gotta catch that yeah and i mean you know offensively talking about on the offensive side of the ball there isn't a whole lot of good i can say about what this bucks team put on the field on sunday i mean Um, besides one play right yeah Offensively, the Bucks struggled to find anything for another week in a row. I mean, Peyton Barber, he started the game running strong. but And they stopped running him. After so long, <laughs> running the ball can't be the only way you move up and down the field. But for well, the Bucks, stopped, I feel like they, they just give up. They stopped doing it. That's yeah, what I'm they, saying. They stopped, well, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It. I, I don't understand. In, in the second half, they stopped doing it. You had, they acted like they were down 30. You, you were down like six. Yeah, you the most you were down in the second half was the final score twenty to twelve. You were down eight. You you've been having success running the ball. Run the ball. Yeah, speaking of, and, and every time every time you did in the second half, it worked. Yeah, 
I mean, Peyton Barber has shown us this year that he's running better than he has his entire three-year career. He's playing the best football of his NFL career. You got to put the ball in his hands more. I think he only had like 20 carries, which, you know, comparatively to how many snaps you play and how many times you pass the ball, you got to run the ball more than 20 times, especially in that wet, nasty weather. Yeah, I mean, one more thing I wanted to say before you made your point was I, I know the Bucks were going up against the Ravens, number one, almost number one defense at home in the rain. Not not good, but I wasn't impressed with the play calling. And uh, when CBS had broke a report before the game that said, you know, some things and it mentioned Todd Munkin's name as being like out. When I reported that, a lot of fans were like, oh, why, why get rid of Munkin or whatever? And I said, you know, new head coach might want to bring his guys in. But at this point, has Munkin impressed you the past two weeks? Absolutely not. And no. he's the one calling plays. I mean, yeah, I do believe that Dirk Cutter actually has some influence. Um, I believe that the first three weeks were all Todd Munkin. The first three weeks of the season were all Todd Munkin. But then I think once Jameis came back, I think Dirk Cutter started to take over a little bit more. But, I mean, Todd Munkin's still calling the majority of the plays. And it just was not good. I mean, that fourth and four, I could have called what they were going to do on that one. I mean, third and one. The third and one where Peyton Barber got stuffed for a three-yard loss before that. Why run the ball there? You run the ball good, work the play action, then you know how good Winston is on the play action. This this coaching staff doesn't make sense. Well, and one of the things that I wanted to say, too, about the play calling in particular is when I look at the play calling, what I, I don't want to say decide, but when I look at it and I'm trying to figure out if it's Dirk Cutter or Todd Munkin calling plays, I feel like some Dirk Cutter shit is running the ball three times in a row and not getting a first down out of it. First down, handoff to Peyton Barber. Second down, you hand off to Peyton Barber. Third down, you hand off to Peyton Barber. Or, first down, you hand off to Peyton Barber. Second down, it's play-action pass. Third down, hand off to Peyton Barber. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like this play calling is getting more and more predictable week in and week out because as of these past few weeks, like you said, Todd Munkin, I haven't been very impressed with what he's put on the field, but... This offense just hasn't been on the field long enough to do anything. I mean, before you know it, it's third and third and long because of a penalty that brought us back, you know, holding number 76. But this offense Ouch. has just really fallen off. And Ouch. it's weird. It almost seems like something we're used to now. The defense finally starts to play well. And then the offense can't get the job done. And this isn't... This isn't, you know, the Bucks offense doing what they normally do. This is the Bucks offense, who is probably the best Buccaneers offense in team history mm-hmm. between this year mm-hmm. and last year. But, I mean, a lot of people have pointed out to me that, you know, this offense, it, you know, the first three weeks of the season and then for a few games there, this offense hasn't been the same. I it mean, really not, not, not since, I mean, I would I even, would say I, since OJ I, went down. I would no. I would say even before that. I mean, when did OJ go down? OJ that, went down. I want to say three or four weeks ago. I think four yeah, weeks I, ago sounds good. It, during, it was during the Giants game. Um, but even then, I mean, the first half offense in those games were terrible. <laughs> like honestly, like if you want me honest, the, the last game that the Buccaneers played in the first half and dominated offensively was the Eagles game. Well, <laughs> think about it this I mean, way. I, if if you if you if you look at it, 
right? Cincinnati, they yeah. had to come back, right? New York, they had to come back. Carolina, they had to come back. I, I think after that Cincinnati game, the offense has significantly gotten worse. Yeah, and I think the reason the Buccaneers were being called the number one pass offense for the longest time is because, like you said, in a lot of game situations, they had to bring themselves back. So when you're playing for your life, you know, you're going to be productive. It's, it's mm-hmm. just, that's just how you, it you're is. Gonna th- you're going to throw the ball down the field. Think about it this way, too. I mean, the Bucks run a vertical offense. We've talked about all the, uh, we've uh, talked about that on the show before. God, get that out of here. Oh, God. Okay, but listen. I, I mean, think about the injuries as well. It's pretty hard to stretch the field when you only have Mike Evans. Is he a great guy to do it? Yeah, because nine times out of ten, if he's not open, he's the type of guy who can make himself open. But think about it. You're missing O.J. Howard. You're missing Deshaun Jackson, who at this point, I, I don't care if he plays another snap in Tampa or not. But I'll, I'll you're get not to gonna that. Stretch the After your point, I'll get to that. Oh, for sure. But you're just not going to stretch the field with Cam Brate and Adam Humphreys. They're fantastic players. Same they with Chris step Godwin. into their role and do what I mean, they Chris, have to do. Chris Godwin didn't have that like, breakaway speed. I mean, Mike Evans doesn't either, but Mike Evans is Mike big Evans enough just, to where – he can win a 50-50 ball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Chris Godwin's like 6'1", 6'2", and he doesn't is he isn't a speedster. And I think that's what we saw uh I think that's what we saw last week with Chris Godwin is that he doesn't have that breakaway speed to really be the guy for those long ball plays because we saw Jameis try to connect with him I think twice last week and he overthrew him both times. Mm-hmm. So I mean you it's really hard to stretch the field right now and this is what that team did well when they were functioning on all cylinders. So you take that away, what do you have? You have a run game that can't get going because your coach doesn't want to run the ball longer than the first half. And then you have an offensive line who doesn't allow too much time in the pocket for Jameis to make things happen. But let me say this before we jump on to Deshaun Jackson. I just wanted to comment on it. I do not think Jameis is off the hook for this game. Uh, I mean, he went 13 for 25, throwing only 156 yards, no touchdowns, and then he had the one interception. Four drops. Four drops. Uh, I mean, maybe a touchdown. If you take away the Chris Godwin drop, as we had talked about, he probably had room to uh, to shake and shimmy into the end zone. But well, the aside interception from that, the interception was bad. The interception was pretty much an underthrow to Mike Evans, and it, it was it was an ugly throw. It wasn't his worst. Trust me, it wasn't his worst. No, just look at that Cincinnati game. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you it, need it to wasn't say. His if, worst, if you want to see his worst, I think if Jameis Winston plays these last two games like he did against Baltimore, I don't know how good his chances are coming back. I mean, yeah, he probably still has a good chance to come back. You know, take a year, figure everything out, but. I don't know. He's in a very, very weird situation right now because, I mean, if you know, you know. But if me, I don't know how thin of ice he is right now with the Bucks organization. I don't know. I, I think I mean, he's locked in. You think he's locked in for sure. So even if yeah. he goes out these next two games and throws 150 yards, 13 for 25, uh, an interception and one touchdown. Yeah, or even I even mean, two interceptions and a touchdown. Yeah, over these I, I I think the the Glaciers have basically made up their minds that they're gonna win. Right. 
I mean, I you know, I think the Glazers have basically made the decision to fire Dirk Cutter. And, I mean, I think, um, I don't really have many sources on this, but I think that Jason Light's probably safe for another year. Um, and unless this new coaching hire is absolutely abysmal, and let's say, you know, Jason Light gets another year, hires a coach, and he goes like 2-14 and 14 or something, then I could see... Jason Light and the coach both go on, but I think Jason Light would survive the the head coach's um, tenure. Uh, okay. But you know, I think the Glazers want to see Jameis with a new coach and a new offensive system. I really do. So um, as long as Jason Light's here, I'm pretty confident James Winston's going to be here. Um, I don't think Jason Light's going to be gone, so I'm going to say James Winston uh, is back. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel pretty confident, just like you do as well. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty don't, confident. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I know that you're not the biggest fan of Deshaun Jackson. They miss him, though. I mean, just oh, no even as, even as a decoy. Well, it, because exactly. he's so fast it, it, that it, teams prepare for him. Exactly. When you have a player on your offense that an entire defense is going to game plan around. Yes, he's getting a little bit older. Yes, he's not the Deshaun Jackson who returned a punt against the Giants to pull off the miracle in the Meadowlands. But I mean. He's still a player that you have to game plan around, and he's a weapon that the Bucks offense will not have. You know, I mean, maybe they will, but... Most likely not. Deshaun Jackson is notorious for being a guy who can beat just about anybody off of the line. And like you said, teams are going to game plan around him. That's going to be tough not having him because... I mean, just like the, the Giants game. If you remember the Adam Humphreys touchdown, they put Deshaun Jackson out like sort of a fake little bubble screen, and all of the Giants were just looking at Deshaun oh, yeah. Jackson. Adam Humphreys beat the man-to-man coverage, and boom, touchdown. So, I mean, that's just what he gives you. I think he should come back for these two games. I don't know the severity of his thumb injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it looks pretty nasty, honestly. Like, it's not like one of those fake ones. Like, it's, a, it's an actual injury, folks. Like, what did he, um, what did he do? I, I not, I'm not exactly sure what he did, but he had posted a picture of the thumb on his Instagram story, and it's ugh. yeah, um, it's like it's all boogered up. Well, um, let me. He had he had like a bandage on it and stuff. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Well, let me say this. I I, I want to go on record and say we've talked about Deshaun Jackson these past few weeks on the show. I've had some pretty strong things to say about him, but I think he has already played his last snap as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He's I think he, I think he has too, but I think he should play these next two games i think he has played his last snap but i think he shouldn't (laughs) you know what i mean he has but he shouldn't i mean if that thumb's looking gross then i get it but whether he's healthy or not i I just i don't think there's a chance that he steps back on the field for us i think for him it's a pride thing because i think he is very big on his pride for himself we've already seen that before when he goes off on his little tangents on social media and things like that so I think for him it's a pride thing, but I, I just don't believe we see him. And here's what this team has showed me. Against San Francisco, against Carolina, we've shown that we can win games without him. He's not a player that was heavily utilized in our offense at all, and I feel bad because he should have been. Even if not on the offense, he should have been involved more on special teams. I think his two years in Tampa, he only was on the field to return a punt like Three or four times. Can you imagine what he would have done if he was in like a Sean McVay or um, a Matt Nagy offensive system? 
I mean, that would have been ridiculous. Can you and, imagine go ahead. what he would have done if the punt return touchdown against Pittsburgh wasn't called back for a penalty? Oh, boy. And and that was a weak penalty too, by the way. I know that's oh. that's that, I know that that was that in September. That, I know one that, hurts that was to bring that was out. in Don't September. Don't even talk about it. Well, I mean, yeah, but I know it was in September. But yeah, that was that was a weak call. But anyways, yeah, I I wouldn't expect Deshaun Jackson back next year. Uh, Bucks can save like ten million dollars by cutting him. So uh, unless he takes a humongous pay cut, which you yeah. know, knowing Deshaun Jackson, not likely to happen. I mean, if he would, if he'd go like, hey, you know. I actually do like it here. Like, I don't, like, I like Tampa. Like, I, you know, I may have been frustrated with the team this year, but, you know, if, if you want me to come back, I'll take, like, a, a pay cut. Then I'd consider bringing him back just for that reason, you know. Um, he's still a threat. <laughs> yeah. No, no matter which way you slice it, he's yeah. still, he's still good. You know, he's not, it's not like he's not good. Um, I was actually, and, uh... and maybe, and maybe he thinks, maybe, you know, if the Bucks hire a coach, that he says, you know, I, I I like this guy, right? And the coach is like, yeah, I think I can work something for Deshaun Jackson, and then we got something going. Yeah. Well, we just got to see. Uh, I mean, time will tell. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. He was a he's a big Redskins fan, and I was like, listen, <laughs> we sat down, and we were just hanging out, and I'm like, I don't think Deshaun Jackson's gonna play in Tampa next year. He, he's like. Uh, he said something along the lines of like, "Well, we don't really want him back, so you can have him." Like it was, it was one of those things, and I, I don't know. I don't know 100 percent what that's supposed to mean from a Redskins perspective, but I think it just boils back down to what we talked about earlier. Deshaun Jackson yeah. is what he is. He's got his attitude that, I mean, he does what he does. I don't know, but I just wanted to say that I don't think he's going to be back in Tampa. Things could change. Time will tell, but. As of right now, I am not too sure how much more we will see of them. So let's change topics here. Moving on from Sunday's game, moving on from Deshaun Jackson, we've got a little bit more Bucks news that, honestly, I don't want to say it shocked me when I saw it pop up, but it did surprise me that it was announced this early. I mean, it's fucking week 15. I don't know how early this is, but... Bucks are preparing to move on from head coach Dirk Cutter, and uh, they've started researching new head coach candidates. Now, from what I've heard, Dirk Cutter and offensive coordinator Todd Munkin won't be out of a job for very long, as they've been quoted as being a top choice for many teams in need of an offensive coordinator. So, I mean, mm-hmm. does that pretty much mean it? Ha- does that mean it's happening? Um, you know. Because I feel like the Buccaneers were researching head coach candidates last year as well. Oh, they were. Yeah, they they, they were. Like I said, they they were close to firing Dirk Cutter last year. They they really were. Um, but you know, it's it's tough to say because I mean, you don't know for sure. You really you really don't because so many things could change. If the Buccaneers blow out the the Cowboys and the Falcons. I, and and James Winston throws six touchdowns and no picks in the one game, and five touchdowns and no picks in the next game. I might have some trouble moving on from these guys, you know, just because these are two. I mean, the cow, the the Falcons yeah, aren't that it, great, but yeah, but the Cowboys' defense has been one of the best in the NFL yeah, these past few. I weeks. mean, and and maybe that would prove to the Glazers that you know Cutter's got this figured out. But 
I, I don't see it happening. Um, I do think the Buccaneers are going to move on from Cutter. I think that report's accurate. I think they've actually been looking at head coaches before this. Um, probably, I would say probably after the after the Giants game, they probably started doing a little bit of research. But now I think that that report came out after the Saints game. I think they're getting hot and heavy with it um, with the with the coaching search uh, and you know. The, the thing about it, apparently, um, after the the game at Baltimore, the loss, uh, the Glazers were, were seen walking out of the locker room, sort of, not with a happy look on their faces. And, I mean, that's never a good sign. So, I mean, yeah, anything can happen. But right now, I'd say it's probably a 90% chance that, that Dirk Cutter is, and his staff is, is gone. And at this point, i got to be honest with you here, I, I, I really do feel bad. For Dirk Cutter, you're brought on for another year. This is a year where there's a ton of pressure mm-hmm. on the hot seat all Gotta year win. long. Got to win. Got to win. And, and this is a talented roster. And I think we've already seen the worst of Dirk Cutter this season. And I think the worst of Dirk Cutter is right around the time. I don't remember what game it was, but there was a game that he came out in his post game presser, and he literally said, "If I knew how to fix it, I would, but I don't know how to fix it." I think uh, that yeah. was the lowest I have I, ever thought. I don't know. Because the, the lowest I've ever thought their cutters when he took over play calling and they scored well, three points. Now I'm pretty sure that was the very next week, so who knows, man. I, I mean, we've seen the good side and the bad side of Dirk Cutter, but at the end of the day, I just can't help but feel bad. Like, I, I, I really can't. He, he's been around on this football team for a very long time. Four years? So there's some players that like him. Oh, Let me not oh, say a, a lot very of long players. time. But there's a lot you of know, players. Yeah. That locker room loves him. Exactly. And there's even there's a segment on one of the, uh, the local news stations. It's called Cutter's Corner. And it's where one of, the, uh, one of the news reporters basically sits down with Dirk Cutter, and they do this little five-minute talk show. And it's all about just the game last week what they're going to do to fix their issues, what they're doing at practice this week, and what's going to happen with the game plan on Sunday. It's a cute little innocent talk show. But just these past weeks, and I'm sure that if you're Cutter, you've already heard the news about the Bucks researching head coach candidates. When you were talking earlier, it was on behind me, and I turned around and watched it. There's no audio, but just the guy's face. He's drained. He doesn't look enthused. He looks mean. He looks grumpy. He looks sad. And I think that's what this team has done to him. And do I feel bad because he couldn't do his job? No, because you got to do your job. And I've sat here on this very same show, and I've just yelled and screamed about all the things that he did wrong this year. But I don't know, man. Seeing a coach go... Especially one like Cutter, who I think has already stuck around through when I thought he was going to leave. Like Lovey Smith, when the Bucks fired Lovey Smith, I was surprised, but I wasn't bummed out. Because it didn't seem like the Bucks tried to make Lovey Smith work. When they fired Greg Schiano, I was happy because he should have been fired. <laughs> but when the Bucks fired Raheem Morris, I was upset, but I, I just wasn't bummed out by it. I feel like the reason I'm so bummed out by it is because the Bucks made a legitimate effort to just try and make Cutter work. And unfortunately, he didn't work. 
Yeah, I mean, this team, this team liked Lovey Smith. This team really didn't like Greg Chiano, but just <laughs> you know, you, well, I you don't see the support that you see for Lovey Smith like you did for um, for Dirk Cutter. I mean, um, this coaching staff is probably. I mean, Levante David actually had said, you know, that in in this is this this year that no guy is practice harder. This team practices harder. This team worked harder. Um, and right now they're just not getting the results and it's not a good look on the coaching staff, you know, yeah. because the team's working harder, but on game day, it doesn't seem to show up. You know, I mean, that's the coach is trying, you got to get him prepared. And I mean, it, it does suck because Cutter is, he's a good guy. Um, he's, he loves football. He wants to win more than anybody, you know? Um, but great offensive coordinator. Not fit to be a head coach. Happens all the time. Yeah. Well, speaking of guys, great offensive coordinators not fit to be head coach. Uh, I mean. You might have a good off- offensive coordinator fit to be a head coach. I never know. A name I wanted to toss out there, a name we've talked out before, but uh, Vikings offensive coordinator to Flippo. I, I mean. Oh, Jesus. What do you think, man? I'm out. Let's. Okay, but let's be realistic here. Let's 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 revisit the topic that we had before. Should I queue up the uh, oh, should God. I queue up the Wheel of Fortune music or the Price is Right music? Sure, get why the not? segment music. So let me roll this up. But let's revisit this segment that we talked about before because we haven't talked about it these past few weeks. We talked about it pretty much the week that we said Cutter needs to go. And uh, one mean, of the top guys was yeah. John DeFilippo, who just got fired. Yeah, this was oh, three God. four weeks ago. So let's oh let's God. revisit this. Let's uh, let me get this music queued up here. Oh boy. Uh, let's hope we don't get a uh, let's hope we don't get an ad. We probably will. <coughs> Excuse me. Here Bless we go. you, sir. No ads this time. No ads this time. Beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to our returning segment. It is the Cannon Fire Podcast, official head coach, decision wheel, <laughs> uh, roulette. Who's going to be the Bucks head coach in 2018? Is pretty much what I'm trying to get here. Dirk Cutter. <laughs> 2018, right? Yeah. <laughs> Aha, I got you. So, gotcha. so realistically, let's let's revisit this topic. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I mean, technically, uh, one of the... technically he's going to be the coach for the whole year of 2018. I mean, you know. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. All right. 2019. Sorry. 2019. Here we go. Getting ahead okay. of myself. So, I mean, you know, I can't say for certain one guy is going to be the head coach because, I mean, I just, I don't know, you know. Um, I know they're going to interview. Last time when there was a coaching change, I think they literally fired Lovey Smith just to keep Cutter. Um, they, they interviewed three guys last time. One was Dirk Cutter. One was Buffalo Bills head coach uh, Sean McDermott. And the other one was... Um, I forget his first... I, one, it was Goodwin. Either his first name or last name was Goodwin. And it was to comply with the Rooney rule. That's not... You know, most of the time... If you're just doing that to comply with the Rooney rule and you don't have a second interview with him, you're not really interested. You're yeah. just trying to follow the rules. Right. Um, and, yeah, three. 
So that tells me they had their mind made up on Cutter long before, you know. This time, yeah. they're going to be much more open. I'm expecting, well, you know, I'm expecting four to five interviews. Um, and, you know, I think Chris Richard is going to be one of those guys. Uh, the, the Cowboys defensive backs coach. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, my God, he's the defensive backs coach. Well, why do you want the defensive backs coach to become your head coach? Well, he also calls the defensive plays for the Cowboys. So, yeah. Excuse me. Basically, he's like their defensive coordinator. Um, and he was the Seahawks defensive coordinator um, up until last season. So um, he, he's experienced. He's a uh, young, talented, defensive mind for a change. How about that, right? Yeah, really. About the, the McVeighs, the Naggies, right? Defense. Um, another guy I could think might get consideration is uh, Vic Fangio from uh, the Chicago Bears, and their defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, I think he could get consideration. Uh, I do think they'd be interested in John Harbaugh, but I don't think John Harbaugh is going to get fired. I mean, unless they they still do decide, because that was the rumor that they're going to mutually part ways. They could still decide that, because that wouldn't be like a firing, but maybe Harbaugh feels that it's time to move on. Um, And maybe the Ravens feel, you know, Joe Flacco's out, uh, usher in a new era with Lamar Jackson, possibly. Right. Well, um, here, here's another thing as well. You know, someone that I had pretty much told myself who I wanted to be the Bucks head coach. You know, that's Bruce Arians. It is. It is time goes by. Cleveland or bust. We hear about it. Cleveland or bust. Cleveland or bust. But I just feel like that whole story feels less and less realistic. Like he's, he's not, not only back. not only coming to the Bucks, which is you know chances are slim to none, but to go to Cleveland. To turn that program around, all that good stuff. It just it, it seems like it's something that's not going to happen, and I don't. Yeah, he's want, not coming back. Yeah, I, I don't want to hang myself up on it. So, I'm just glad that you're kind of here guiding us through everything because I want to know who you think, man. But like I said, I do think John Harbaugh would get con- strong consideration and be probably at the top of the Glazers list. Um, but I don't think he'll be available. Uh, another name is Eric being a Nemi, right? That's like almost like finding Nemo, you know? I, I live in an enemy, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, yeah, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Now, I know Andy Reid um, does most of that stuff, but, you know, <laughs> if you look, every one of Andy Reid's guys has had success. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. He was the offensive coordinator. He didn't call plays, right? Um, Ron Rivera, been to a Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Nagy, right, with the Bears right now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of talented guys that come out of Andy Reid's system. I think that being a Memi, oh, jeez, I hope he doesn't become the coach just because I don't have to pronounce his name. Um, you know, he could be a guy who could really turn James around. I mean, not necessarily turn around, but steer him in the right direction, I guess you could say. Because right now, I mean, James isn't, he's not a bad player, but you know, he needs a big year. I think we can all agree on that. Um, Go ahead. Here's a guy I wanted to ask about. You know, we talked about him this time last year. He was someone who I really was hoping came to Tampa. Oh, God, no. (laughs) God, let me go out and say this on public forum, too. This time last year, I was 100% Team Gruden, but good Lord, was I wrong. And I I will always admit when I was wrong, and let me just admit that uh, I was wrong last year. But, no. Um, <laughs> uh, a, a guy that a guy that I wanted to ask about. We talked about him around this time last year, 
And I, I don't know if you will rule him out because, you know, I I don't know. He was in a weird situation with Indianapolis just a couple of months ago. Uh, but that's Josh McDaniels. Mm. Very interesting. Not going to rule him out. Um, he could be a guy that gets an interview with the Bucks. I, don't I think like if he goes he... anywhere, I think he's going to Green Bay. I think I think Green Bay's a spot. Um, yeah, I, I think Green Bay would likely be the spot, but I do think he could get an interview with the Bucks. Um, yeah, but I think right now him with Aaron Rodgers, match made in heaven. Um, yeah. But I do think he'll he might get some some interest from the Bucks. It, it wouldn't surprise me. So I'm not going to rule it out at all. Um, I mean, would I bet money? No, probably not. But I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, you know, there there's some other guys. You know, college coaches. There's um, Cliff Kingsbury, who had just got fired from Texas Tech, was just hired as the USC offensive coordinator. A lot of people say, you know, he's the next Sean McVay. He's the next up and coming thing. Uh, Texas Tech. He coached Baker Mayfield before he transferred to Oklahoma, and Patrick Mahomes. So his Patrick Mahomes whole time there. So he has experience dealing with uh, some young quarterbacks, and it's worked out. I think it'll be a real good thing for James Winston. Um, Excuse me, uh, but you know that's pretty much it. I, I do think that the Buccaneers are going to keep their options open. Um, they're going to look for guys who, not they think, can change the culture because that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. How many times? I mean, that's... You, how many times have you listened to an interview in a locker room, but you can't hear what they're saying because all you hear is ping pong in the background? <laughs> you know, and I normally I'm not the one that. To say, oh my God, this and that. Oh, you can't, you can't go out, you can't go out on a, on a date the, the night before a game, right? And as long as you're not out at 1 a.m. or whatever, I, I don't have a problem. If it's you know, if it's eight o'clock at night, you know, and, and you're out on a date with your girlfriend, you know, live your life. But yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm not really one to say, you know, oh, in the locker room you can't have any fun if you're not winning. But I mean, it's it's just it's kind of annoying. That's all. Yeah. Um, and you know, good teams don't do that. You know, you'll never. Bill Belichick saw that? Oh, God. <laughs> you know, um, that would not fly under Coach Belichick. Um, another name I'm going to put out is New England defensive coordinator. Speaking of Bill Belichick, it reminded me of it. New England defensive coordinator Brian Flores. Now, he was one of my favorites last year. Got okay. the promotion once. Um, once. Matt Patricia left. For the Detroit Lions, got the promotion, and I mean New England's defense hasn't been that great, but it hasn't been awful, right? I mean it's been okay, um, so I think that he should get some consideration. But like I said, it, you know there was only three interviews last time. I would expect four to five, um, and then even though they're not interviewing, I would expect some reports of some interest of some some sorts of coaches. Okay, now I've got one more guy I want to toss into the mix. Um, if you want to wrap up after that, that is A-OK. -okay. Okay. Uh, but here's a guy that I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about. And if you brought him up, I apologize. But uh, Chris Richard, defensive backs coach, Dallas yeah, Cowboys. Yeah, I did. A former Seahawks defensive coordinator. So, you, yeah, you brought him up. Yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he was the first guy I talked about. Yeah. Okay. He, he's, he, he's, my, he's my pick. If, if, I'm, if I'm the Glazers, he's at the top of my list. Okay. Let me I think he, he might be higher than John Harbaugh. Well, if you already talked about Chris Richard, let me toss you one more name. And if you've already talked about it, then I'm just going to cut the music now and probably <laughs> call it a show because I guess that proves that I haven't been paying attention. Um, 
but <laughs> if you haven't talked about him, uh, Pete Carmichael. No, I have not talked Offensive about coordinator um, for the New Orleans Saints. It, it's Sean Payton's offense, but mm-hmm. Pete Carmichael, I mean, he's a valued assistant. Yeah. And you got to give him credit for what the Saints have been able to put on the field. Yeah. And if you've just seen what this Dirk Cutter <laughs> offense can do, imagine what this Pete Carmichael offense could do. I mean, yeah, I feel like, I mean, we haven't really seen much from the Sean Payton coaching tree. Um, it would be interesting to see. Uh, Pete Carmichael has been on the Saints for actually like 10 years or something. Yeah. But this is the first year, like, coaches put feelers out there. Sometimes and when they're not interested in being a head coach, they'll, they will they won't really. But it seems like this is the first year that Carmichael wants to have some interest in being a head coach. And I think, you know, he'd be a candidate. I don't think he's going to get a job this year. I think that's more like next year. Um, that, that he could potentially get a job. But it would be interesting to see what, what a Sean Payton d- disciple could do because um, I feel like it would be a little bit of a mix of uh, the Drew Brees, Sean Payton offense, but also uh, a little bit, of, a little bit of new stuff mixed in. Yeah. Um, like I said, he's experienced, and he's been around one of the best coaches and best quarterbacks ever. Um, definitely an interesting name. I wouldn't put – I don't think he's going to get an interview with the Bucks. If I had to choose the guys that are going to get interviews – Chris Richard, um, Richard, not Richard. My bad. Uh, I, I think I think it's Richard. I think um, Chris Richard, Vic Vangio, maybe like Mac, like uh, Dan Campbell from tight ends coach from the Saints. Yeah. Now, a lot of people said, oh, my God, tight ends coach. Yeah, but, I mean, he's... Dan Campbell was the interim head coach of the Dolphins, yeah, and the it, Dolphins it, actually had success. That's what I'm saying. That Dolphins team that was 2015... Um, yeah. You know, they, they, were, they were 0-3, I believe, and they fired Joe Philbin, and they ended up like 7-9 and nine or so, so. Exactly. He's a guy who's going to want another shot, and... And he's a guy who's not going to take nothing. He's a, He's a, you know... Uh, a disciplinarian, and I mean, but Greg Schiano didn't work because Greg Schiano came from the college ranks, and he never really was around pros, so he didn't know how to interact yeah. with them. Sort of like Chip Kelly, you know. Well, um, Dan Campbell, that almost you know brings me back to Pete Carmichael. It's really just people are gonna they're gonna want in on what's going on in New Orleans right now, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, say, definitely that definitely. Sean Payton coaching tree. We haven't seen a whole lot of it, but. No. And, I mean, Dan Campbell, like I said, he has experience with pros. He knows how to handle this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, though, if Harbaugh is fired slash mutually part ways, I'm not talking about Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I'm talking about John Harbaugh. I know a lot of people prefer Jim for some reason. Because I guess he's, like, the sexier name. <laughs> because I don't know. I mean, I guess people no, – what, what, what's so I've funny? never heard that before. What, the, the sexier the name? The sexier name? You've never heard that? Jim and John? I, I mean, are either of those sexy? Jim is. Jim is sexy. No, not, you know what I mean. Not like that. But like, a, oh my God, whatever. It's all right, dude. You um, just think Jim Harbaugh is sexy. I get it. I, I get yeah, it. It's uh, all good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I, I, I want to see him be the coach of the Buccaneers for different reasons other than winning football games. Oh, yeah, um, you do. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, you want to turn us into a roast? Okay. No, no. Oh, All no. Right. Oh, yeah. I'll remember that. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right. Well, um, <laughs> and, you know, anyways, like I said, he went to a Super Bowl. 
lost it to his brother, John Harbaugh. Okay. The less Who's not as one. sexy, I guess. Um, yeah, the, the, the less sexy brother. Um, yeah, so I think John would be a better fit. Jim, it seems like he's rubbed people the wrong way over the years. And seems like a very hard-headed kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, he demands a lot, and he gets under the player's skin, and some players like that, a lot of players don't. Um, I think Jim would be the better fit. Like I said, if he is gone... I would expect him to be at the top of the Glazers list. Like I said, Christian Shard would probably be, still be at the top of my list. But for the Glazers list, I'd probably say he's at the top. Um, but yeah, if obviously if I had to guess right now, I don't know. <laughs> if I were the Glazers, I'd hire Christian Shard. Um, wouldn't be a real hard decision. Um, I got you. But I'm not the Glazers. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're looking for. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. And Very we're gonna we're gonna find out. I mean, this in a month from now, you might find out because season ends what November November December thirtieth <laughs> December thirtieth. So Dirk Cutter will likely be fired December thirty first, Black Monday. On so I birthday. mean, they're gonna they're oh hey there you go. Well, if you really want Cutter fired, there's a little birthday gift. Um, you know, the the thing is that you know the Glazers will have time. They'll probably take, you know, uh, probably th- four to five days of get more gathering. That's why they're doing this now, though. So they don't have to, to you know, have be, have be February and a combine coming up, and you're about to hire a head coach. That's why you do this now. Right. So you can so you can have an extra four to five days after you fire the guy, and you can set up interviews. And those interviews, you know, after all your interviews are done, you normally take two to three days and come up with a decision. So I would expect a decision by mid-January, late January, something like that. So very interesting time to be a Bucks fan right now. Very interesting time for this organization, mm-hmm. as we've talked about but before. Red, you know, yeah, the ho- the holidays are coming up, right? Yes, they are. And we were playing something pretty special. We were, we were, and we're gonna have to do some more on-air planning now that you've brought it up. But that is. The Cannon Fire Podcast Holiday Spectacular live stream. I think you and I had last talked about doing it on December 21st, which is Friday. That's the projected date, folks. That don't, is the projected don't, date. Don't come at us if it doesn't happen then. <laughs> if it happens later or sooner, don't come at us. Well, let you know, me ask it you could happen later. It could happen sooner. We all know. December 21st, I am working... <laughs> A um a bar crawl in downtown uh, St. See, Petersburg. God, blame Rhett, guys. Blame yep. Rhett. Yep. You, you you almost have to at this point. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to see if you were available that day or if you were available Saturday because I want to say that I am free Saturday, so maybe we could get it done the twenty second of December. Yeah, I think uh, Saturday will work. So okay. Um, yeah, Saturday should work, uh, guys. So breaking news. Uh, <laughs> you Saturday, heard it here first. Saturday, yeah, well, you definitely heard it here first. Uh, December 22nd is the projected date, yet again, projected. Big keyword there. Um, you know, I, I'm sure all fans are probably thinking, oh, man, he's really going to lead us on. He's planning on canceling this thing last, right. last minute. Um, but, you know, uh, the holiday spectacular. We're going to talk, be talking some bucks. Not much, honestly. This is what this show is for. Uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes. If there's some more rumors about coaches or players, you know, maybe um, if I gather some more information about some head coaches I like, 
I might share it. Uh, maybe we'll do a little preview of the Dallas game, uh, which is on national TV, by the way. Um, oh, yeah? Uh, America's I don't know if it's being labeled as America's Game of the Week. I don't know how it would be. but It's a, um, it's a 1 o'clock game, though, still, right? Yeah, yep, it's a 1 o'clock game. Yep, Man, we got to get a game flex this season. No, no, it's not going to happen. Next season, you mean. Well, That's not going to happen this year. You don't there's think there's games, a you don't think there's a chance left. Atlanta game at home gets flexed again? I feel like our last For game what? of the year always gets flexed. For what? Well, why did it get flexed against New Orleans last year? Because the Saints and Panthers were fighting for a division. They didn't. They they wanted both of the teams playing at the same time. So and so Carolina was already scheduled to play at four. So they moved the Saints from one to four. Oh, that that's why they did that. Atlanta and the Bucks are out. So. Yeah, that's that's not gonna happen. Um, but like I said, guys, um, favorite you know favorite like Christmas movies and stuff like that. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of a lot of different stuff. Not a lot of, a lot of not, not the same stuff. old, same old. Maybe do a Q and A. You can come in. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Talk about music. Talk about Christmas. Talk about whatever, anything, but the Bucks and the product <laughs> that they have been putting on the field. But let me say this to kind of wrap things up here. It's a very interesting time to be a Bucks fan, and it's a very interesting time for this Buccaneers organization. You've got a lot of moving parts. You've got a lot of very, very important things on the line these last two games, Dallas and Atlanta. Obviously, you want to win to close out the season. But there's a lot of things going on right now that we should prepare ourselves for. It's going mm-hmm. to be a very interesting time. These yeah. next uh, these next fifteen days, the Buccaneers could look a lot different. They could have a new head coach and GM. I mean, not right now, but I'm just saying they could have fired their new head their head their new head coach exactly. their head coach and GM. <laughs> but bottom line, it's going to be interesting. So let's hang on and let's enjoy these last three weeks, two weeks of Buccaneers football. But ladies and gentlemen. That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, or iHeartRadio. You can follow the show on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Cannon Fire Pod. You can follow my co-host Evan at Bucks Wave, formerly Bucks Football, on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow my new Instagram account at BiasBuckFan on Instagram, where I go on and yell and scream and curse about the Bucks week in and week out. Check out our partners at pewterreport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. And make sure you check out our sponsors at cooltowel.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll see you next time. Go Bucks! Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.